Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. This week's Torah portion, Shlach Lacha, describes one of the pivotal events in the history of our people. The story is well known. It was the second year of the Exodus. The community had received the law at Sinai. The promised land was beckoning. The original plan was to enter the land now, not 38 years later. And so Moses sent 12 scouts, the leaders of the tribes, to inspect the land. None of the estimated 2 million Israelites had ever seen the promised land, including Moses. Moses wanted to give the people courage and strength. What better incentive, he thought, than to send the leaders of the tribes to report back how beautiful and bountiful and promising is the promised land. After 40 days, the delegation returned. They showed the fruit they lugged back with them. Grapes, pomegranates, figs. So big that the tradition describes how only from the grapes the wine they made just from the grapes lasted for the rest of the duration, the remainder 38 years in the desert. I'd like to try that wine, actually. There was only one problem. Ten of the 12 leaders were adamant. We cannot prevail over the people living there. They are giants in comparison we are grasshoppers. They will crush us. That's what people do to grasshoppers. They step on them. Two of the tribal leaders, Joshua and Caleb, tried their best to persuade the people to push on. But even they, even Moses himself, could not mitigate the mass hysteria provoked by the other ten. In response, God decided that no one, save for Joshua and Caleb, would enter the land of Israel. The people would wander in the, decade, in the wilderness for four decades and die in the wilderness. Their children would inherit the land. Now, there's a fascinating verse about the grapes. The Torah states, the scouts cut down a branch of a single cluster of grapes. And it had to be borne by two men on a carrying frame. One single cluster of grapes was so big that it took two men to carry it back into the wilderness. By the way, it's a well-known and beloved image of you familiar with that image? You can see it uh, in many places, and you can easily find it online, by the way. Already in antiquity, it was iconic, a symbol of Judaism and of our bond and love affair to the land, with the land of Israel. So much so that archaeologists recently discovered a mosaic floor in a 1,600-year-old ancient synagogue in northern Israel depicting those two scouts carrying that cluster of grapes. 
But while the Torah seems clear that it was two men who carried the cluster, our sages debated whether this was indeed the case. And the Talmud describes that in the view of some rabbis, it was actually eight men who carried this one cluster of grapes on a series of wooden piles. Another scout carried a pomegranate, and another scout carried a fig. Eight carried the grapes, one carried a pomegranate, one carried a fig. That's 10. How many were there? 12. What happened to the other two, and who were they? You guys know. Because our B'nai Mitzvah students are scholars on this Parsha for sure. So the Talmud explains the other two were Joshua and Caleb. And they didn't carry anything. The rabbis responded, the reason they didn't carry anything is that they did not participate in the plan that the other 10 scouts concocted. This is the key to understanding the entire tragic episode. Joshua and Caleb did not participate in the plan. They wanted nothing to do with the big lie that their colleagues were about to perpetrate on the community. The instrument of the big lie was the fruit. The fruit is so big, claimed the ten scouts, that the only people that can consume this fruit that is so big have to be giants. And that's what we saw in the land. We saw giants in the land. At first, the scouts spoke the truth. We came to the land that Moses sent us to, and indeed, it flows with milk and honey. Look at the size of this fruit. They didn't artificially inflate the size of the grapes. Those grapes were the real size. But then, the torrent of lies. The biblical commentator Rashi points out, this is how effective liars sustain a lie. You have to start with the seeds of truth. Otherwise, the false narrative will be dismissed. Master liars do not make everything up. They seize on one element that is true and concoct a narrative that hangs on a slender thread, in effect, distorting the narrative into a gigantic lie. I've been thinking about this as we struggle through these difficult times in America. Like the Israelites of antiquity, the danger in our country is from within. It is a crisis of leadership. Look how many of our fellow Americans, tens of millions of them, believe the big lie of the elections. Tens of millions of Americans. And that big lie itself is wrapped up in even more lies, bizarre lies, that 
boggle the mind that so many millions can believe them. Conspiracies of Jewish lasers causing wildfires in California. Or cabals of politicians engaged in child trafficking from pizza parlors. Did those 10 scouts actually believe their lies? Who knows? In the end, it didn't really matter. Because whether they believed the big lie or simply enabled the big lie, they were catastrophically and cataclysmically convincing. I've always viewed those 10 scouts as not actually believing what they said. Most political leaders are not crazy conspiracy theorists. Most are pretty well grounded, but they can also be manipulative and craven. There were no giants in the land. How could they have believed that? There were no giants in the land. They saw the inhabitants with their own eyes. And you know the proof why there were no giants in the land? Because 40 years later, under the leadership of Joshua, the next generation of Israelites, the descendants of those so-called grasshoppers, crushed the descendants of those so-called giants. Then why were the 10 scouts lying? Tradition asserted that they lied for the same reason that many political leaders lie for their own political interests. In a stunning ancient commentary that could apply word for word on June 4th, 2021, in a stunning ancient commentary that's thousands of years old, the rabbis explain that the 10 scouts lied so egregiously because they were after what all political leaders want, power and status. They were convinced, the rabbis say, that if the nation entered the promised land, they, the leaders of the tribes, would lose their standing and influence. There would be a new regime replacing and displacing them. Self-interests and craven ambitions led to a monumental betrayal of the national interest and 40 years of exile. That is the key to the whole story. It is in the behavior of Joshua and Caleb. They took care to disassociate themselves from these liars. They didn't even want to be seen carrying the fruit because the fruit was the one seed of truth 
in this whole concocted narrative of the big lie. Not only did Joshua and Caleb disassociate themselves from their fellow leaders, they actively spoke out against the perpetrators of the big lie. It's not true, they urged. We can do it. We can overcome. We can prevail. Look at the tribe of leaders in our country. Nothing has really changed. Talented politicians can always manipulate the innate anxiety that lurks within the human heart, fear of the unknown, fear of the other, fear of change. And look at the leaders of the tribes here, most of whom probably know that the big lie is a big lie. But they are either silent or actively encourage it for their own craven, personal, and political interests. And look and marvel at the few brave leaders. There are so few of them who are willing to stand up to their fellow tribal leaders. It took 40 years to overcome the great betrayal. But in the end, it is Joshua and Caleb whose reputations endure. We still speak of them with awe and reverence. It took 40 years to prove them right, but history remembers them as heroes. We should note one key fact of the biblical narrative. It was the elites, the ruling classes, who caused the downfall. The heads of the tribes, the representatives of the people, they knowingly manipulated the masses by corrupting the truth they themselves became corrupted. They betrayed their responsibility. Once the big lie gains momentum, it is hard to stop. Even Moses couldn't stop the madness once it infected the people. It is the same in our times. If America enters a 40-year wilderness journey, the elites, the leaders, the heads of our tribes, the ones who know better, they will be responsible for the downfall. And their names will live in infamy for the entire remaining history 
of the United States of America. And those who resisted the big lie, who not only disassociated themselves from their fellows, but actively spoke against them, those rare few, even at the cost of their own political standing, we will forever speak of them with awe and reverence.